0: you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Philippians chapter 4, this last section of Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. We have to understand what Paul is saying here and what he isn't saying. Did Paul need their money? Did Paul need their money? No. Why didn't he need their money? Because Jesus is enough. Now, if we were to look at Paul's situation, you have to understand that when you were in house arrest and you remember that end of the book of Acts ends with Paul continued in Rome for two years in his own rented house. What is that? Well, the thing is, is they had dungeons and if you couldn't afford to rent a place to be chained to the soldiers, then certainly they would just put you in the stock in the dungeon. And so that was the alternative. And if he wasn't in the dungeon and he was renting his own place, well, certainly he's not going to get the gruel that would barely, if even, keep you alive. But, but he would, he, they would barely keep you alive if, they, if even that, if you didn't catch some horrible disease. And so what what it would require is that you would have somebody, family members or friends, who would actually come along and give you some money to rent a house and to give you some money for clothes and food and all those things. Because if if nobody did, then you didn't get it. And you probably just were going to die. It wasn't like today where they set you up with a nice bed and, you know, cable TV or whatever. I've never been to jail, so I'm probably exaggerating that. But sometimes we get the impression that it's three hots and a cot, you know. Well, it certainly is that. I can't say that it's fun, but it's a lot better than what Paul would have gone through had they not come through for him. If we would have looked at Paul's situation, we would have said, there is a dire need for that money. There is an extreme need for that support. And Paul says, I don't speak in terms of need. Why? He's saying the same thing that Corey ten Boom was saying because Paul had learned a lesson and that lesson was Jesus is enough now I've, I've quoted this before from Corey Tembu but I want to develop it a little bit for you because it's one of the most profound things ever uttered by a human being in all of history and that's this she said you never know what the Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have now it's easy to say that it sounds wonderful but what does it mean that means that Corrie Ten when she had the flu, she was ripped from her bed in the Beji in, in Holland, in wherever she lived, whatever the town that was. Amsterdam, I think. Ripped from the Beji where she lived. She was thrown into a prison cell with the flu. Now, I can't imagine being arrested, but being arrested when you're throwing up just makes it worse, right? Somehow. And then she, she heard that her father had been killed, or he died. And then she was taken to Ravenbrook, where they stripped her down naked. They embarrassed her. They made her stand in the cold for hours on end. They beat her. They humiliated her. They put her in unlivable conditions. They fed her scarcely. She was hungry. She was naked. She was thirsty. She was tortured. And in the midst of all of that she met jesus in a way that she never thought possible and that experience was more valuable to her than all the luxury and all the wealth and all the pleasures of this life and so too paul when you think about, even before he got to Rome, when he was on that ship for 14 days, he's a prisoner on the ship, and for 14 days and 14 nights, they suffered Eurocliden. They suffered this, this northeaster wind that kept them awake and seasick and vomiting and not eating or drinking anything for 14 days or sleeping. And they must have been going insane. And it was in the midst of that that the Lord would encourage Paul and send an angel to strengthen him, to minister to him. And many times when Paul was going through difficulty or or uncertainty or fear, and we see this throughout the book of Acts, that on a couple occasions when Paul was gripped with fear, facing who knows what kind of trial, and he's looking towards the future, and Jesus would stand by him and say, Paul, I'm here. And it wasn't just the manifestation of Jesus, but it was the peace and the serenity and the joy of being close to the Lord. That only if you read Christian books about famous Christian people, only will you discover that when people are going through extreme turmoil, extreme anxiety, extreme difficulty and imprisonment and jail and concentration camps, that they have a closeness with Jesus that only somebody who goes through that ever experiences we talked about this a little bit on wednesday night you know i I think that we all are i mean maybe we all or many of us are are kind of of the mindset well i don't care if i die because i love jesus i'm going to go to heaven right if i die i go to heaven not that i have a death wish but i'm not fearing death because if i die (laughs) it's glory right just don't torture me I, i just want to die quickly i want to be you know Blunt of the axe on the head or, or, you know, whatever it might be that takes me out. I just want to go fast. Die in my sleep. Praise the Lord. Feel nothing. But we also know that Paul, as he talked to the Philippians and he, he shared about the, the, that he might know Jesus. He says, this is my heart's desire that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and The fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to the image of his death. And so for the Christian, we don't have to fear even the torture because as believers, when we're going through the torture, when we're going through the trial, that's when Jesus meets us in ways that we never thought possible. You can think about Richard Warmbrand as he came out of prison and he was set free and somebody came and offered him some strawberries and he didn't want to touch them. I can't touch them because the glory of the Lord is so strong upon me. I wouldn't want to tantalize my flesh in any way to lose what I'm experiencing right now. That's something that we don't necessarily experience. But Paul was saying, hey, I don't speak in terms of need because Jesus is with me. I've learned to be content. Now, there's a very different gospel kind of going around. It's becoming very, very, very popular, and I'm I'm sure many of you have been touched by it, but it's not true. And that's the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, that God wants everybody to be healthy, wealthy, and rich. You know, or healthy, wealthy, and whatever. I don't know. You know, that that's God's purpose and plan for your life, is that you just... Overwhelming and you know, God's gonna give all the money to the Christians, and you know, this is just a weird theology that's going through the church right now, and it's becoming very, very popular. But Paul warned Timothy about these false teachers who would teach that the gospel is about prosperity. And and this is what he would say to them in first Timothy chapter six, verse six through eleven, he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. That doesn't sound like Ferraris and mansions to me, does it? He says, just food and clothing, we should be content with that. But those who desire to be rich fall into the temptation and a snare, into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, this is what he's telling to the pastor, you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness now we live in a culture that bombards us with materialism it is designed to make us discontent with the way things are in our lives and yet the bible would say no you you don't want to fall prey to that but you want to understand that contentment is one of the highest christian goals the highest christian virtues that there is oh if i just had a bigger house if I just had a skinnier body. I mean, I can't even read a news article. I don't know about you, but you know, I've been reading a lot of news lately with all that's going on in the politics and stuff. And it's like, what is happening? What's true? What's weird? You know, what's fake? And I'm going through, and then I get to the bottom of the page, and it's like, this woman used to weigh 450 pounds. And she's, three weeks later, she weighs like 47 pounds. <laughs> I want that. I want some of that. You know, I I need to lose some of this. You know, I I need to, you know, if I took these medications, I could look younger. I was noticing yesterday, Shannon cut my hair, and I looked down at the pile, and I was like, there's a lot of salt in there. Used to all be pepper, and now there's salt in there. It's like, what's going on? I'm getting older. Oh, my body aches. Oh, I need to take more supplements. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to go through a midlife crisis and buy a, a, a Lamborghini or something. And, and, and we're bombarded by so many choices. It's like nonstop. As, as media just tells us, this is what you need and this is what you should have. And, you know, these this level of, of life and status in life. But Paul tells Timothy, godliness with contentment is the greatest gain